Chapter Eight of the Inventions of the Idiot by John Kendrick Bangs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Eight: Progressive Waffles. I am afraid," said Mister Pedagog in a loud whisper to the bibliomaniac, "that the idiot isn't feeling well this morning. He has eaten three fish cakes and a waffle without opening his mouth." The idiot looked up and, gazing wearily at Mr. Pedagog for a moment, shrugged his shoulders and ejaculated, "Tut!" "He's off," said the bibliomaniac. "Whenever he says 'tut,' you can make up your mind that his vocabulary is about to be loosed." "If my vocabulary were as warped as some other vocabularies, I might mention," said the idiot, helping himself to another waffle modelled after the six of hearts. "I'd keep it in a cage." A man who observes that I've eaten three fish cakes and a waffle without opening my mouth hasn't a very good command of language. He simply states as a fact what is in reality an impossibility, granting that I eat with my mouth, which I am told I do. You know what I mean," retorted Mr. Pedagog impatiently. "I am so much in your society that I have acquired the very bad habit of speaking in the vernacular. When I say you haven't opened your mouth, I do not refer to the opening you make for the receipt of waffles and fish cakes." But for those massive openings which you require for your exuberant loquacity, in other words, I mean that you haven't spoken a word for at least three minutes, which is naturally an indication to us that you aren't feeling well. You and talk are synonymous as far as we're concerned. I have been known to speak. That is true," said the idiot. "That I am not feeling very well this morning is also true. I have a headache." "A whatache?" asked the doctor scornfully. "A very bad headache." Returned the idiot, looking about him for a third waffle. How singular," said the bibliomaniac. "Reminds me of a story I heard of a man who had lost his foot. He had his foot shot off at Gettysburg, and yet for years after he could feel the pangs of rheumatism in that foot from which he had previously suffered." "Pardon me for repeating," observed the idiot. "But as I have already said, and as I expect often to have to say again, tut." I can't blame you for thinking that I have no head. However, I find so little use for one here that, in most instances, I do not obtrude it upon you. I haven't noticed any lack of head in the idiot. Put in the schoolmaster. As a rule, I can agree with almost anything my friend the bibliomaniac says, but in this case, I cannot accept his views. You have a head. I have always said you have a head. In fact, that is what I complain about chiefly. It is such a big head. Thank you," said the idiot, ignoring the shaft. I shall never forget your kindness in coming to my aid, though I can't say that I think I needed it. Even with a racking headache sustained by these delicious waffles, I believe I can handle the doctor and my bookish friend without assistance. I am what the mathematicians would call an arithmetical absurdity. I am the one equal to the two they represent. At present, however, I prefer to let them talk on. I am too much absorbed in thought and waffles to bandy words. If I had a headache," said Mrs. Smithers Pedagog, without, it must be said, in any way desiring to stem the waffle tide, which was slowly but surely eating into the profits of the week. If I had a headache, I should not eat so many waffles, Mister Idiot. I suppose I ought not to," replied the idiot. "But I can't help it, ma'am. Waffles are my weakness. Some men take to drink, some to gaming. I seek forgetfulness of woe in waffles." Mister Whitechoker, will you kindly pass me that steaming tin of diamonds that is wasting its warmth upon the desert air before you? 
Mr. Whitechoker, with a sigh which indicated that he had had his eye on the Ten of Diamonds himself, did as he was requested. Many thanks, said the idiot, transferring the waffle to his plate. Let me see. That is, how many? Five, said Mr. Pedagog. Eight, said the bibliomaniac. Dear me, ejaculated the idiot. Why can't you agree? I never eat less than twelve waffles, and now that you have failed to keep tab, I shall have to begin all over again. Mary, bring me one dozen fresh waffles in squads of four. This is an ideal breakfast, Mrs. Smithers Pedagog. I am glad you are pleased, said the landlady graciously. My one aim is to satisfy. You are a better shot than most women, said the idiot. I wonder why it is, he added, that waffles are so generally modelled after playing cards, and also why, having been modelled after playing cards, there is not a full pack. Fifty-two waffles, said Mr. Whitechoker, would be too many. Fifty-three, including the joker, said Mr. Pedagog. What do you know about cards, John? asked Mrs. Pedagog severely. The idiot laughed. Did you ever hear that pretty little song of Gilbert and Sullivan's, Mr. Poet? Things are seldom what they seem, he asked. Why shouldn't I know about playing cards, said Mr. Pedagog acridly. Mr. Whitechoker seems to be aware that a pack holds fifty-two cards. If he, why not I? I, uh, I of course have to acquaint myself with many vicious things, with which I have very little sympathy, observed Mr. Whitechoker blandly. I regard cards as an abomination. So do I, said Mr. Pedagog. So do I, but even then I know a full house, I should say a full pack from, uh, er... Bobtail Flush, suggested the idiot. Sir, said Mr. Pedagog, I'm not well up on my poker terms. Then you ought to play, said the idiot. The man who doesn't know the game has usually great luck. But I'm sorry, Mrs. Pedagog, that you are so strongly opposed to cards, for I was going to make a suggestion which I think would promote harmony in our little circle on waffle days. If you regard cards as wholly immoral, of course the suggestion is without value, since it involves two complete packs of cards, one cardboard pack and one waffle pack. I don't object to cards as cards, Mr. Idiot, said the landlady. It is the games people play with cards that I object to. They bring a great deal of unnecessary misery into the world, and for that reason I think it is better to avoid them altogether. That is quite true, said the idiot. They do bring about much unhappiness. I know a young woman who became a victim of insomnia once, because in a series of ten games of Old Maid she got the odd card seven times. Of course, it wasn't entirely the card's fault. Superstition had something to do with it. In fact, I sometimes think the fault lies with the people who play, and not with the cards. I owe much to the game of whist. It taught me to control my tongue. I should have been a regular talk fiend if it hadn't been for whist. Mr. Pedagog looked unutterable things at the idiot. Are you laboring under the delusion that you have any control over your tongue? He asked savagely. Most certainly, said the idiot. Well, I'll have to make a note of that, said Mr. Pedagog. I have a friend who is making a collection of hallucinations. If you'll give me his address, said the idiot, I'll send him thousands. For five dollars a dozen, I'll invent hallucinations for him that people ought to have but haven't. No, returned the schoolmaster. In his behalf, however, I thank you. He collects only real hallucinations, and he finds there are plenty of them without retaining a professional lunatic to supply him. 
"'Very well,' said the idiot, returning to his waffles. "'If at any time he finds the supply running short, I shall be glad to renew my offer.' "'You haven't unfolded your harmony-promoting scheme for waffle days,' suggested the poet. "'It has aroused my interest.' "'Oh, it is simple,' said the idiot. "'I have noticed that on waffle days here "'most of us leave the table more or less dissatisfied. "'We find ourselves plunged into acrimonious discussions, "'which, to my mind, arise entirely from the waffles. "'Mr. Pedagog is a most amiable gentleman, "'and yet we find him this morning full of acerbity. "'On the surface of things I seem to be the cause of his anger, "'but in reality it is not I, but the waffles.' He has seen me gradually absorbing them, and it has irritated him. Every waffle that I eat, he might have had if I had not been here. If there had been no one here but Mr. Pedagog, he would have had all the waffles, as it is, his supply is limited. This affects his geniality. It makes him... Pardon me, said Mr. Pedagog, but you are all wrong. I haven't thought of the things at all. Consciously to yourself, you have not, said the idiot. Subconsciously, however, you have. The philosophy of the unconscious teaches us that, unknown to ourselves, our actions are directly traceable to motives we wot not of. The truth of this is conclusively proven in this case. Even when I point out to you the facts in the case, you deny their truth, thereby showing that you are not conscious of the real underlying motive for your irritation. Now, why is that irritation there? because our several rights to the individual waffles that are served here are not clearly defined at the outset. When Mary brings in a steaming platter full of these delicious creations of the cook, Mr. Pedagog has quite as much right to the one with the six of hearts on it as I have, but I get it. He does not. Hence, he is irritated, although he does not know it. So with Mr. Whitechoker. Five minutes ago he was hastening through the four of spades in order that he might come into possession of the ten of diamonds that lay smoking before him. As he was about to put the last spade in his mouth, I requested him to hand me the ten of diamonds, having myself gulped down the juice of clubs to get ahead of him. He couldn't decline to give me that waffle, because he wanted it himself. He had to give it to me. He was irritated, though he did not know it. He sighed and gave me the waffle. I did want it, said Mr. Whitechoker. But I did not know that I sighed. There you are, said the idiot. It is the philosophy of the unconscious again. If you are not conscious of so actual a thing as a sigh, how much the more unconscious you must be of something so subtle as motive. And your waffle that, said the genial old gentleman who occasionally imbibes. How will that solve the problem? It seems to me to complicate the problem. As it is, we have about thirty waffles, each one of which is a germ of irritation in the breast of the man who doesn't eat it. If you have fifty-two waffles, you have twenty-two more germs to sow discord in our midst. You would have, but for my scheme, said the idiot. I'd have a pack of cards at the table, and I'd deal them out just as you do in whist. Each card would represent the corresponding waffle. We begin breakfast by playing one hand after the manner of whist. Each man would keep his tricks, and when the waffles were served, he would receive those, and those only, represented by the cards in the tricks he had taken. If you took a trick with the King of Diamonds in it, you'd get the waffle with the King of Diamonds on it, and so on. Every man would be clearly entitled through his skill in the game to the waffles that he ate. Very good, said Mr. Whitechoker. But suppose you had bad luck and took no tricks. 
"'Then,' said the idiot, "'you'd have bad luck and get no waffles.' "'Tut!' said Mr. Pedagog. And that was the sole criticism any of the boarders had to make, although there is reason to believe that the scheme had objectionable features to the majority of them, for, as yet, progressive waffles has not been played at Mrs. Smithers' pedagogues. End of chapter 8